Call from mom. Answer it. Call silence. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Quip. When was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new Smart Electric Toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. I love that technology can keep me healthier. I do it with my walking. I do it with my heart rate variable. I do it with my my sleep. Why not do it with your teeth? You've probably heard me talk about Quip a million times, but this is something brand new that rewards you and your mouth. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth and tracks when and how well you brush your teeth, gives you tips and coaching on how to improve your habits. You earn points for daily brushing, bonus points for completing challenges like streaks, you can redeem awards like free products, gift cards, and discounts from Quip and their partners. Do you already have a Quip? I already have three or four Quips. I take one on the road, one's on the tour bus, one's in my backpack, one's on the mirror in my bathroom. Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. Sensitive sonic vibrations with a two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for a guided, clean feel. Slim, lightweight, sleek, no wires, no bulky chargers to weigh you down. Multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount. That's what I use. Beyond that, they build you a great routine, a great routine for brushing your teeth. And I have to say, my favorite thing that Quip has is uh, toothpaste. Their toothpaste is through the roof. They have mint watermelon with anti-cavity ingredients for strong, healthy teeth. Floss that expands to clean and comes in refillable dispenser to reduce waste. I'm telling you, man, join over the 5 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to the other Bluetooth brushes. When you get a Quip Smart Brush for just $45. Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com slash birdcast right now to get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash birdcast. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash birdcast. Quip. Better oral health made simple and rewarding. Hey guys, brand new birdcast. I have sad news. The Reno date that we had scheduled for the 20th of November has been canceled. I just got news today that with COVID restrictions, it made it uh, next to impossible to accommodate everyone that had bought tickets. So I apologize. We're going to reschedule that for February. I think I'll be back in Reno in February. And uh, and right now we're still on for the 28th and 29th or 27th in in uh, San Marcos, San Marcos, Escondidos, down by San Diego. You know where it is. Go to birdperpert.com. Um, new Pit, Two Bears, One Cave is up. New um, Bill Burt is up. And that's all. I don't think I really have. Oh, check out my show, The Cabin, streaming right now on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. Enjoy it. Share it with a friend. Tell some friends about it. Uh, this episode of the podcast is with Cabin star Donnell Rollins. Donnell Rollins was in was on. I don't know which episode, the one with Bobby Lee and me and him, and it was awesome. We talk about the shit that was edited out, and it was a lot. And uh, and we talk, you know, I can talk to Donnell forever, man. I, I've known Donnell for a long time. He is just like me, man. We're just there for the joke, just there for funny, just there to have a good time, party, and have a blast. 
his podcast, The Donnell Rollins Show, is uh, available anywhere you get podcasts, and it's a great podcast. I listen to them talk about the cabin we did with Bobby Lee about uh, coffee enemas. We did coffee enemas on the cabin. If you haven't watched Cabin, I would definitely highly recommend the cabin. We didn't even talk about – I've had him on before. You should check out other episodes. Honestly, Donnell is the easiest dude to talk to in the entire world. Uh, we talk about Andrew Yang. I'm, I'm curious about Andrew Yang because I see him everywhere right now. And I'm like, damn, man, we make a fucking misstep. We talk about um, uh, is America ready for a – we talk is America ready for a gay president, an Asian president, or a black female president, or a socialist? We talk. We don't talk politics. We just bullshit, you know? So I hope you guys really enjoy the episode. Leanne has had a target date, December 1st, in the new podcast studio. That is her target date. She is emptying out this man cave and moving it into the podcast studio. And we will be doing podcasts there and stepping up our motherfucking game. And I will have Donnell back in when shit, when we're in there, Donnell will be back in. Joel McHale's going to be back in. All the people that we did on these, on these Zooms, I'm bringing them back in and we're going to hang out in person the way I know I love hearing podcasts and the way I know you love hearing podcasts. But in the meantime, get back for a banger. This is a great podcast with my buddy, my friend. Oh, we also talk about Chappelle in this. Ladies and gentlemen, stand-up comedian, podcaster, actor, Donnell Rollins. This is All right. What's the matter? No, I fucking hurt my finger, man. My finger, my thumb is fucking swollen. And I got to do. Come here. Come here, girl. Come here. I got a new addition. Come here. Come here, Maggie. Come here. Come here, Maggie. So your boy's still trying to win, huh? <laughs> Why? Why does he got to be my boy? The reason why, the same reason why Obama was my boy, motherfucker. <laughs> yo, yo, you talking about why does he got to be your boy? Every time, yo, it's so funny. This shit is the, I don't know what's going to happen, but I said it's been the most entertaining television I've seen in a long time, sir. It's been, it's been crazy. Did you watch the Tuesday night? Did you stay up and watch? Yeah, the, 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 with the, the results coming in everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, but that wasn't yo. I watched it Tuesday, and then I kept on fucking um, I kept waking up, like it was up and it was down. It was up and it was down, and it was like up and it's down. And then this nigga started having flashbacks of uh sixteen and shit, right? And I'm gonna tell you, I don't have yo Bert. I don't have an emotion, man. I I promise myself, there is no way to get your emotions involved because if you do, you're gonna your feelings gonna get hurt. And it's yeah. so the the fucking thing about it. No matter who wins, it's going to be half of America that says it's fucked up. Hey, that, literally half. It is half of America. It is half of America that's going to be like, it's just fucked up, you know? It's crazy when you see, like, uh, the voting differences by 8,000 people in a state, and you're like, shut the fuck up. Yo, my fucking, my fucking population in my high school was 3,000, motherfucker. I mean, it's just, but then you know what? When you get those numbers, Bert, it, it makes you really realize how important your boy, your 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 vote is. Yeah, yeah. Because well, this I mean, fuck, fuck around in history, 
where it comes down to one person. <laughs> Dude, we, we, when I was on when I was on the X show, this is when Bush and Florida happened. I went on the X show. That was like my late night TV show. And I was bragging that I wasn't going to vote. I was like, my vote doesn't count. My vote yeah. doesn't count. And then it went down, came down to Florida where it was hundreds of votes that and mattered. I, and, I, and I was like, oh shit, I had a write-in vote in Florida. They're like, your vote. And, but, but then fucking whatever, you get one vote. But yeah, here's the thing, Bert. Next year, I mean, next election, I'm investing in, into, um, I voted stickers. <laughs> That's where you're going to make your money. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, man, a lot of people don't want to go to poll. They want to get that goddamn sticker, son. So oh. just fucking sell them. We can get my them cleaned out. My wife, got, my wife got fucking catty about it because I had we did write-in votes and uh-huh. mail-in votes. And so I got the sticker. My daughter grabbed my sticker. And my wife's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get that sticker until you're 18. I exactly. Like, I was like, wow. Yeah, and it's so funny because I didn't know the sticker was going to be in there. I was like, oh, shit. And I'm so petty. I was like... Now and I know I'm not voting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't give me the sticker. I gotta, I just gotta earn the sticker. Yeah, but if I don't know, man, it's just gonna, it's gonna be interesting. I told people, man, like it's like, um, like World Series Game Seven, right? Uh, the people that make hats are gonna take a loss. <laughs> and the the people that make those championship hats, they're gonna take a loss because yeah. somebody lose. They ready for both of them. I know they like, fuck, man, we got to take this half and half deal, man. <laughs> Time to send these hats to Tanzania. <laughs> Hell yeah, son. Hey, wait, what was Andrew Yang like? He was amazing, bro. He was so impressive. And the thing about it is like, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you've been around, you've been around money your entire life, but to be around somebody that just thinks that much about the world and is that success, successful and just a regular motherfucker. Yeah. Like when we were in Yellow Springs, I would have these late night barbecues and shit, right? At this little bed and breakfast. I had the whole bed and breakfast. We had the banging ass grill and shit out there. And then I was in the kitchen cooking and shit. And at 2.45, I turn around and fucking Andrew Yang is like, yo, Daniel, can I get another one of those devil eggs? <laughs> and then his um his campaign manager uh uh had would, would come back and hang out with us. And he was telling us how that's like almost every day Andrew Yang talks about that hanging Yellow Springs and, and hanging out with us. He's dope. It was interesting. It was interesting when I thought when when they were coming up with this election because they they had a gay dude, an Asian dude, a socialist. Like I mean, all things where you go, where you go, like is is America ready for an Asian president? Yo, you know it's so funny, and I know that um, and it's so weird. My feelings is like this, and I'm pretty sure that this went back to like the way people felt in the 50s and 60s about black people. I was I said myself. Um, I don't know if America ready for no last name Yang. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe he need to switch that. But that was me. And I wasn't trying to be insulted or anything, but that's just how I felt. But you know what? There probably is going to come a time where America is is going to be ready for that because we forget what American is. We look at your face. You know what I'm saying? If you guys yeah. slanted eyes, I know this sounds crazy. It's like this. Nah, there's no way that nigga can be American. He was born here. Yeah, he's as much American. I think once we get to a point where we, where we really identify what an American is, for, for the most part, American now, if you want to really bust it down, is black and white. You know, it, it sounds like it when when you talk about issues in this country, the ones yes. that people care most about, it seems to be our black. Like I know they're, they're going through this big Armenia thing, um, right. and a war or something. I forget what it is, but everyone's like protesting in LA and there's big billboards. And then you talk about 
like the Israel Israel rights and with Ju- Judaism and Jewish people. But when it comes down to it, when you talk about black people, everyone in this country seems to go, all right, that's important, you know? Yeah. Well, now, it's, but it took years to get to that point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it wasn't like that at first. It had to, with black people had to go through a lot of shit before people started to care. Like, even I said it, I said, you know, as much as people want to shit, you know, some black people want to shit on white people, I, I tell people the civil rights movement needed um, white people because they wasn't giving black people marching permits back then. Imagine me and you go down to City Hall right in the 60s, right, Bert? And uh, you're standing beside me. And I went, yeah, I want a motherfucking marching permit. And they'd be like, you don't get your black ass out of my face. And then you just clear your throat like, uh, uh, uh. <clears throat> uh, I'd like to uh, uh, march you permit. They was like, here you go, Mr. Chrysler. Do you need any up for your, do you need any for your other friends? But what I tell you, the most thing about this whole uh, 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 election and everything, and when it comes to Trump fans, one thing I can say about Trump fans, they know how to make a flag. <laughs> Man. Yo, they got the biggest flag. I don't know if they just cornered the market, Bert, but when it comes to flags, yo, I was Midwest. Man, you know, you you travel a lot. You hit, and, and you hit those places where people got F-150s and Toyota Tundras and yeah, shit. Yeah. Man, they got these fucking like 10 feet tall Trump flags. And, and the trucks are fast because to get that shit to wave in the wind, you got to be busted about 80 degrees, right? <laughs> and I looked at, I compared the Trump flags, and I could barely even find a Black Lives Matter handkerchief, bro. Those shit small as shit. <laughs> <laughs> we got to step. We want our movement to move further, son. First rule of business, buy bigger flags, son. It's weird because as a, as a white dude, you can sometimes navigate the waters of, of, of like, if someone says a racist joke, you don't have to call them out. You can kind of just be like, whatever, and then walk away. Like it's right. a weird, it's a weird thing. And that that and we went, we were in Arizona and we were on a boat, and our, our best friends are Asian. And we were with them and their family and me and my wife and our kids. And we right. pulled up a beach and everyone in their boats had Trump flags out. And it right. was weird for the first time to be like, I can't I'm home. I, I'm home. No. <laughs> Be the Asians, get out of here. Get out of here. Be the you Yangs. I caught them. I caught them. They're here. Yeah. But it's it's, it's, it's bizarre, man. I tell you, this is the thing, Bert. And like so many people have so many reasons to be upset with both sides. You know, the the unfortunate thing about it, and it's evident with the way these uh, votes are coming and whatever, is how, you know, um, a presidency could like really, really rip America apart, like really separate it. That's the thing that is just so decisive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I believe a good president is a good president. To be honest, you got a a president's a Republican that cares about everybody, not just the people that voted for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, it may sound so simple the way I'm saying it, but, you know, it's just dividing, man, just the hate and just the energy, man. You know, yeah, like I don't is. remember an election where where people had so much emotional connection to an election. It's mostly like, ah, he didn't win. But now it's like, like certain people, if Donald Trump runs the table, bro, and I'm going to be honest, bro, I ain't counting that motherfucker out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I look like when I watch this shit now? All I keep reminding myself of 
is when the Patriots came back on the Atlanta Falcons, bro. That Super Bowl. That they were dancing. They was moonwalking. They was doing TikToks and everything. Son. They was going viral. And them motherfuckers said, we'll see. And that motherfucker, I believe that Donald Trump called Tom Brady in the locker room at halftime, right? <laughs> and Tom Brady said, Don, it's not going to happen. And and, and and Donald Trump said, fake news. You know what I'm saying? Like, And then, and then he gave him a pat on the back, son. And we went out there and fucked them motherfuckers up. It's crazy. So my birthday, my birthday is November 3rd. It was on Tuesday. And someone You know said, it's so fucked up? I, I, I'm the interrupter, but it's so fucked up. Because you can't normally, like, when someone's birthday, you see him in, like, a Speedo. It's like, oh, he must be celebrating his birthday. Yeah. That's so much a part of your normal shit. Like, I didn't even know it was your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had a movie coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, every, someone said to me, wow, man, this really sucks that your birthday is on election day. Has it always been this rough? And I went, no, never, ever has election day been more like, hey, everyone brace for the riots. Like it's usually everyone's like you vote. And if your guy doesn't win, you're like, God damn it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I remember when Clinton ran and my everyone in my fraternity voted for Bush and I voted for Clinton. And I remember everyone, you know, you bust balls, but no one got into a fist fight that night. No, they didn't. But then but then also you did like you couldn't. He didn't feel like he was dividing the country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, he I think, you know, he did. It never made you feel like I only care about these people. Everybody else can get my dick. That's the thing that's so uncomfortable for people. You know, that's one of the biggest things. Like, but also tell people that you know that guy's not a typical politician, man. Not that I'm a Trump supporter or anything, but uh, but he business people, most successful business people, man, don't care about they don't really have a personal connection to too much yeah most big they they shrew most of them you're lucky if you get a mark cuban or somebody like that just like you feel them they have heart for the most part they don't give a fuck for the most part it's about money it's why they can work with it that's why you people talk all this shit i'm like you you know how many, oh, donald trump is racist you know how many um black millionaires uh work with racist white billionaires a yeah. lot because their line their bottom line it's called the clippers yeah because <laughs> <laughs> their bottom line is fucking money and what gets it done you know yeah and i honestly it's- believe i honestly believe and it's still dirty i mean it's still fucked up that uh, Donald Trump just represents a lot of people around him. Steve Bannon, those dudes, that security guy. He represents a lot of people that's around him. And I believe they're like, yo, this is how we push the Dow. This is how people respond. Okay, say, never say Black Lives Matter. Guess what? My base is going to be so amped for that shit. They love it when I don't say Black Lives Matter. So I really believe a lot of things he do is because he thought he figured out what excites his base. But fuck yeah. it. It is what it is. How you been, son? I've been good, man. I just had a weird, our, our, my bus driver's uh, black and he dressed all in red. And uh, I'd never experienced um, gang, any gang life or anything. He's right. dressed head to toe in red, not, which I just thought was a silly outfit. I was like, uh, Yo, you know, that's the white. That's the white in you. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, man! You look like a flag. And so, right. and so, and then all of a sudden, the, these 
a car full of black dudes pulled up and checked him. Like, what, like, I, oh, I don't know. Wrong colors? Wrong colors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it, I, I was, I was with four other white dudes and him, and he was very calm to it. And I had never under, I didn't realize that that stuff was real. That, like, that, that it is that, real. It is real, but then, it's a crazy thing. You say you didn't know it's real. It is real. But like at our age, it shouldn't be real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You He's my age. He's my age. That's what I'm saying. At our age, it shouldn't be real anymore. It shouldn't be like at our age, uh, if we was affiliated with that shit, we would have seen enough unnecessary deaths. We were seeing we would have seen enough fathers being pulled away from their families for years being incarcerated. And and our age, like I just really think, man, if you're at our age and you're gangbanging, bad choices. Bad choices. Like, I give you. So did they did they have that when you were growing up in Baltimore? Did they have that? When I grew up, I grew up between DC and Alexandria, but we didn't we didn't have like um we did we had gangs, but we didn't have like the bloods and the crips. We had neighborhoods for some reason versus another neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in DC, it's like seven and seven and old motherfuckers didn't fuck with six and old motherfuckers. Ninth Street motherfuckers didn't fuck with Tip Street motherfuckers. I'm like, it's one street, guys. <laughs> we <laughs> gotta think cousin. bigger. It's got we gotta think bigger than that. Can we get on the Peter Pan Trailway and go to New York, man? It's <laughs> other streets. You know, and it's like it was so funny. But a lot of times, Bert, that's small-minded, and that's for people. They don't get opportunity to travel. Don't get opportunity to do something else. Don't get opportunity to see the world or look at, like when I first moved from uh, Alexandria, Virginia, which is in the suburbs of uh, D.C., um, I moved to D.C. I moved to uh, New York. I didn't even know I had a country accent because I was living in it. And I would always blow myself. If I had to meet somebody, they'd be like, where you want me? I'd be like, Wait, uh, they'd be like, uh, where you want me to meet you? I'm like, I'm on Houston Street, right? They like you mean Houston, bitch. That shit been Houston my whole Houston. fucking life. It says Houston, <laughs> you know. And it's not until you like, it's not until you go away. And like, people used to say you was country. I'm like, I ain't country. But I look at how close I was to Baltimore, how close I love was to DC, and the accents aren't too far apart. And we're talking only like the Baltimore Beltway. You can go through D.C., Maryland, and Virginia in a total of 20 minutes. So if you could do that, cultures and stuff don't change too much. You are a country motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? crazy. I didn't realize I was from the South until I moved to New York. And everyone's like, I remember saying, like, y'all. And, right. and someone was like, what? Yo, hey, Bert, you did what I did. Did you have to, um, it will force you to change your diction and shit, right? You're yeah. Like, you feel like, I was like, um, every, every. Every, I used to be like, Uri. and people used to be like, what, what? And then that's how, you know what? That's how people get um, accents. You know what I'm saying? Because you try, only thing you want to do is be able to communicate with somebody without them having to say what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wait, did yeah. you go to New York before you were in the, you moved, you were in the Marines, right? Air Force. Air Force. You were you, yeah. how old were you when you joined the Air Force? I was, I, well, you mean, how long, how old was I when my mother signed the permission shit for me to die for my fucking country? My mom ain't shit, son. I had to enlist at 17. Listen, Bert, I was under the age to oh. enlist. I had to get a note from my mom for me to enlist. That's how young I was, 17 years old. Yep. And so were you graduated high school already? 
Yeah, I graduated. I went to, uh, I graduated. I had that summer. And I think that fall, um, I went in the military, 17 years old, fucking barely had pubic hair on my dick, son. I looked like a fucking, at 17, I looked like I was like 12 and 13. You look young as shit. I seen that picture. Yeah, man. Did you have to do basic training and stuff? And then did you go to Korea? Yeah, basic training. But Air Force, any other branch would tell you, the Air Force basic training is real pussy. Like, people were so fucking shitted on us. They call us the chair force. They called us civilians with uniforms. But um, <laughs> um, I went to basic training. It was only down there, like 30 days of basic training. And then you go to the training for whatever job you signed up for. So right after I went to basic training, I had to go to the uh, air, the military's equivalent of police academy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Yeah. And then... And then how soon, how old were you in your career? I just, I think I just turned 18. And then it was so funny because I went over there, you know, you get like, when you want liquor, they had a liquor store where where the commerce, whatever they call, I can't remember. But you, you, they had to ration it off because they didn't want to contribute to the black market. So you had like four units you can get. One unit is a case or a fifth, right? So you can either get four cases or you can get two fifths, two cases. You can break it down any kind of way you want. And I wasn't a drinker at the time. And I knew I was like this. This is how dumb I was. I was I was 18. No, I might have been 17 when I got there. Whatever it was, I wasn't 21. So they was like, how do you want us to break up your rations, Aaron Ross? I said, no, you can get up to somebody else. I'm too young to drink. They was like, motherfucker, you're in the military. No drinking age over here. That's when I began my turn up. Son. <laughs> but, <laughs> I didn't even know how to buy liquor, bro. I went to and bought some. You know how they have those um, mixes for margaritas and shit? They look like a fifth. Yeah. Yo, I put, yo, I put that shit up there all tough. So I was like, yeah, let me get that uh, lemon lime margarita shaved ice. <laughs> but yeah, it was. By the um, way, Snoop did that. I went to do a shot with Snoop, and he poured. He pulled out a bottle of mixer. And I was like, right. hey, there's alcohol in that. And he was like, I don't drink much. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And he probably got a fucking buzz with that 2%. Snoop probably could get fucked up off of white claws, bro. Yeah. He's not a drinker at all, man. I asked him, I said, I why don't you drink? And he goes, uh, he said, I was drunk on stage one time. And I thought, I don't ever want that to happen again. So I don't like being out of control. I was like, that dude smokes blunts from the second he wakes up. The funniest time was when he went through a change where he was quitting smoking. Yeah. Yo, he don't even know Vegas had odds on how long that shit was going to last. <laughs> <laughs> they was like, everybody said, yo, Snoop quit smoking. Them niggas going to put their boogies like this. I got 500 to one that Snoop's be smoking in two weeks. <laughs> I get 500 to one. I know they was making side bets on him, bro. But he's he, a dope guy. He, he's the best. He really is the best. I feel like he's one of those guys I want to stay friends with so I don't, I don't blow his phone up much. I'm like, I don't even call him at all. I was like, ah, I, I just Oh, if I run into him, I want to be able to him, him not be like, oh, fuck, here's that guy. Yo, that's so funny you said that, man, because somebody interviewed me the other day, and um, they was asking me, they always go back to Chappelle's show, right? And they were talking about- It's on Netflix. It's just on Netflix. I heard that. Now I'm going to look like I got old, quick as shit. But somebody said, um, so did you and Dave? I said, I said, when we used to do that show, I said, when we did Chappelle's show, I didn't have Dave Chappelle's phone number. Really? I had Neil, I had Neil Brennan's phone number. Yeah. And I kept it like, I, you know, you know me, son. I'm not like no ass kisser. And the only time I really want to 
like be real honest, if I had to pick somewhere where you had to like me or appreciate me, I always want it to start from stage. Like even with my comedian buddies, like the guys that I'm the closest with are people that share the same work ethics. You know what I mean? To think like me, it's never the hacky, wacky comic, son. You know? So that's just, you know, yep. It's funny because I I was thinking, walking back, I just had tacos with my daughters and, 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 and my buddies. And I was walking back and I thought, you know, honestly, me, you... Chappelle, Michelle, uh, Wolf, Mo, Mo Ammer, um, uh, Dave Williamson, Jesus Trejo. We've gotten been on the only comics that got them on have gotten on stage regularly. I've been yeah, doing these. You know, you guys have been going on every fucking night. Yo, and it was so funny because I was saying to myself because I was saying like, who's doing it? Who's doing it? But I already knew. Like, and this is the thing that I respect about you and your work ethics and what people don't understand is like when you have to pivot, you know what I'm saying? Like for yeah. um, every show people see you do son or produce or whatever, they don't, they don't know the, 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 the nose, the nose, the oh, nose, the yeah. nose. It wasn't ready. No, sorry. Looking for a skinnier dude. You know what I'm saying? All that type of shit. So when it, you can tell certain people, certain characters, like when this shit hit, I was like this, that shit ain't going to, Stop, Bert. That nigga, I say that nigga figure something out, son. Yeah. And I was like, this, wait a minute, this motherfucker's doing this shit during the goddamn pandemic, right? Like, no shirt, no bra, no mask, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was jealous because your setup, that Ye- Yellow Springs was looked amazing. It was, it was, it was amazing. What you did look amazing. But what was amazing, Bert, is that I, I felt this when I came back to LA. You know, it's not too many people work place work out, and I found out Irvine was doing the drive-in show. So I yeah. did one, but I wasn't really excited about the drive-ins because, um, I, you know, it's already one thing dealing with hecklers, but dealing with a heckler with a horn. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But the thing that I appreciate, and and I know this goes to say, what we did in Yellow Springs, what you did on the road, is that we gave people some hope. We gave people an opportunity to feel somewhat normal. We gave people, however, the show lasts, we gave them an escape. You know what I'm saying? It was like when those people get those pickup trucks and back them up and they got those coolers and they doing BYOB, they didn't just walk past Sunset at the comedy store and say, hey, let me see jokes. They planned that shit. Yeah. So it was like, and then I, you know, like you said, we were like, I was doing, I think I was doing four shows a week. It's amazing. Four shows a week. And here's the catcher. Um, Every week it was like, and I'm talking about shared the stage with David Letterman, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, Kevin Hart, John Stewart, Michelle Wolf, Mo Hammer, um, Goddamn Bill Burr. I mentioned Bill oh, Burr, Bob, Bob Sackett, Chris Tucker, Louis C.K. Like every, it was insane. So what was it? Because I, I dug when Burr came back, I dug deep. But you know, Burr so keeps everything close to the best, and was like. Uh, he's like, I, he's like, don't, I don't, I don't even want to talk about Chappelle's motorcycles. I'm obsessed with motorcycles, but like, oh my god, yo, Chappelle's yeah, I think, bro, I think, I think, um, um, I'm not a real motorcycle guy, but everybody's a motorcycle guy. When they come out of his garage and look at the rockets he got, they dick is hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like all I know, I saw, saw Ducati this, Ducati that, Spider this, and they was the motherfucking 
joints that require you to have perfect posture on them shit, son. I'd like to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Whoop. Look, a lot of us are trying to get back at it, working on our health and our fitness. There's a lot of challenges for us making it happen right now. Some people are able to work with personal trainers, my wife included, but not everyone has access to that or has time for that or can afford that. Whoop has the most is the most powerful fitness membership you can find, and it's here to help with that. Whoop is a fitness tracker that literally is like having a personal trainer on your wrist for less than a dollar a day. It's one of the only wear, only fitness wearables that helps quantify how well I'm performing, sleeping, and recovering. I use it to track key metrics like my heart rate variability, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, and my sleep. But what's more important is I really like having the personal trainer that knows so much about me because when I wake up, I get a recovery score, and that recovery score lets me know how well my body is ready to perform or if it needs more rest. You also get a target exertion goal aimed on your recovery so you know how hard you can push your workouts. And based on how intense your day is, you know how much you need to sleep to recover that night. Whoop is the best fitness tracker and membership I've ever seen, ever used. I absolutely could not do anything without it. For just $30 a month, you get personalized insights 24-7 that quantify the data to help you better understand your body on a deeper level. Whoop goes beyond just tracking calories and heart rate, people. It monitors sleep, strain, and recovery with personalized feedback in real time with their app. That is the big reason I recommend anyone trying to get in shape or just trying to build a better, healthier habits in general, use Whoop. And for all my listeners today, Whoop is offering 15% off all memberships. Give Whoop a shot. And if it's not for you, they're going to offer you a 30-day return policy, no questions asked. Just head over to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P. Dot com and enter BERT, B-E-R-T, at checkout to save 15% off. Join Whoop today, sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. This podcast is brought to you by Farragun. The stress of daily life weighs down on all of us. And whether you're an elite athlete like myself or just a regular person like Tom Segura, trying to get through the day, muscle pain, muscle tension, it's a real thing. I know for a fact, sitting like this in this chair, doing podcasts all day and taking meetings, has really messed up my lower back and my sciatic nerve. And I'm telling you, that's why I use Theragun. I do it every day. I have my wife judge me. This hand-held percussive therapy device releases your deepest muscle tension with a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now, as quiet as an electric toothbrush because the all-new Theragun 4, Generation 4 Theragun, has a proprietary brushless motor that is so quiet you can do it while your wife's sleep. You'll wonder if it's even on while soothing your aching muscles with the Theragun's power, amplitude, and effectiveness. We brought it on the road with us because sleeping in bunks after a while starts to wear on your body. And we were on the road for like 23 days. And I'm telling you, at the end of every night, we would judge each other's butts and legs, lower legs. It's the best. And our necks, I do my necks and my shoulders were really tight. Let's try the Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Generation 4 with a OLED screen, personalized Theragun apps and quiet and the quiet and power you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash BertCast right now to get your Generation 4, your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash BertCast, theragun.com slash BertCast. So what yeah. was it like you guys did? Did Dave hit you up and be like, yo, I'm, I'm, why don't you come hang out here? Or were you guys on the road? How did Michelle well, UMO well, end up in Yellow Springs? The way it started was, you know, nobody knew how to accept uh, 
COVID. You would, nobody knew what the protocol was going to be. Nobody knew what it was going to be for the injury, uh, for the um, for performing and everything. But we knew something in America that, that was happening that was weird that would probably compromise us being performers, compromising us being able to socialize with each other. So it yep. pretty much started where Dave was quarantined with like 10 of his, probably his closest friends in Yellow Springs. It's a small community. And I think what happened was he got bored with the 10 people he was hanging out with and just needed a new rotation, right? <laughs> that motherfucker just want to hang out. He's like this, yeah, I'm sick of your shit, Paul, right? Yeah. So, but at the same time, he wasn't always figuring out how he's going to get on stage. And he was even talking about, man, fuck this shit. We might go, we might have to go fight club style, like some type of underground comedy club. But uh you're Dave Chappelle, you can't hide. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> they're gonna fit, they're gonna find out. And then as it started going on, motherfuckers just started like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What can we do? And one of his closest friends out there, Steve Wiring, he owns a, a pavilion that they do like weddings and stuff like that. So Dave had the idea to um, trick it out, not too much, you know, a couple of Jumbotron. You know this production shit because you know, you, you do this all the time. You know, you look, you go to one spot, it looks like one thing to the average eye, but then you're like, oh shit, the helicopter pad right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and then he built it at the first time he did it is when he did that 846, 847. People call it a special. I call it a conversation with America. Yeah. You know, like, and it's, you know, people are so critical that, you know, they're like, well, it wasn't one of his funny specials. I'm like, nigga, that was not supposed to be funny. That was a conversation that a motherfucker could throw a little joke up in there to ease it up, but it wasn't about how funny it was. Well, he has he has a he has he has a very unique platform in that that he a lot of fucking white people listen to him probably more than they listen to anyone. Like a they lot. Do. Because of the Chappelle show and because of his stand-up and because of like his approach and his honesty and like I think people kind of trust him that he's not gonna he and has those people a lot of white people, a lot of white people, they look at him. I know this sounds crazy, and I think some some white folks sometimes what a level of success a black person gets, it's more accepted. Like I don't even see him as being black anymore. You know what I'm saying? But that motherfucker is one of the blackest motherfuckers I know. And he express, but he don't have to, some people got to wear their black on their sleeve all day. Yeah. You see the stripe? It's like they got to prove something. He doesn't do that. You know what I'm saying? He's so calm and he can communicate in a way where people, when, I, when he do his shows, man, 60 of the motherfuckers is Trumpers. Yeah. So every once in a while you get a couple pop out of there that can't take it, but you know, he has a way of communicating his thoughts where it's easy to understand and he can make some rationale out of it and put jokes with it too. And, and I think, I think it's, it's a little bit like jazz too. Like where yeah. you, I don't know. And you know, what's so funny is that you know this and I know this because of, we've been in the game for, uh, for so long, but uh -huh. he wasn't always, like he was, he used to be a lot more jokier, like, like his older yeah. was a lot more like stand up. And then right. all of a sudden he pivoted I want to say when he did that that uh, bird, the bird special. Yeah, but you know what, Bert? See, the thing is, here's the thing. We know him as a young Dave. Yeah. And then we know him as an older Dave. And for the most part, almost all, I mean, me and you might be the last ones that's never going to grow up, right? 
<laughs> but we grow up different ways. You know, we grow up different ways. But that's what it's like. Um, Chelsea Handler got a new special called Evolution. And I like this. I really like this special because I saw it. But motherfuckers evolve. Different people come in their life. Yeah. You have situations that you have to make decisions on, like the Comedy Central uh, situation to deal with him. And I always say, like, Davis, uh, like, he's like the Muhammad Ali of comedy, right? And when I say that, we, we, we all have um, good sets. We all have a joint, like, oh, he's on popping. We have motherfuckers make money, whatever. But it's not too often in your career that you have to make a defining moment. And when I say that's when you got to put everything up to the table, Bert, you know what I'm saying? Integrity, money, morals, all that type of shit, and what you're going to go for. You know what I'm saying? That is part of what makes Dave Chappelle who he is, and that's what makes him so uh, so much of a, like, he only does it his way. Yeah, he does. You know, I got to be honest with you. I was, I felt like... Uh... You know, when I got so many people telling me not to do drive-ins, like so many people were like, dude, you're fucking your career up. Like this, like I just giving me like notes on shit where I go, you shouldn't give me notes. Like, let me do things my way. You do things. Bert, your way. Guess what, Bert? Guess what, Bert? I'm going to tell you this. When I came back to LA, I'm coming off of doing four shows a week, right? I come back to LA and then just by force of habit, you know, you got to drive the strip and see marquee what's open or whatever and i go to comedy store i don't know if last time you've been there but they're doing like it's from the window now that yeah. window the, the, the or and i was i'm doing we was doing shows like five six hundred people every night it's just still in the cornfield but it's still a live audience yeah. i went from that to like they was like that window don't allow you to your ear doesn't connect with the audience you got to look at their face and i hear so many comedians say the same shit Bert. they say Oh, that's not comedy. I don't know. You can't connect. I'm like, listen, bro. I love doing this shit. If the tide turns, if I got to flip it up, I got to flip it up. And I went on stage that night, Bert. And I was like, one of the reasons I went on stage, son, because I was like this. I was like this. Ooh, there's a strong chance that you could bomb because you're handicapped right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you're swimming in overalls. It's like it's it's what's wrong with swimming in overalls? No, I'm joking. <laughs> but. but it's like going up there, I knew that it wasn't set up for me to win. Yeah. And the only people that win are the motherfuckers that know how to win. And I assessed the situation. I started roasting them, got to it. I got them there. But I'm like this. How are we going to stay sharp, son? How are we going to stay sharp? You So now we're in a pandemic. You got to be specific to your needs to perform as a stand-up motherfucker. Go out yeah. to a beach, nigga. Go out to a beach. Go out to a beach. And do some street comedy. Start with one motherfucker. If you want, what, what are you gonna do? I quit comedy because um, there was no two drink minimum, and there wasn't a red light in the back. What you gonna do? It's, it's funny because I got so many notes on people, just people saying shit to me, like people that I respect. But it was funny because you guys were up there doing it in the field, and they were like, "Well, Chappelle, Chappelle's the goat. He can do whatever he wants. He always." And I was like, "I was like, well, no, we all can do whatever we want. We can all yeah. take take a look at Dave and then go." take a page out of his book and go, he's doing it his way. Let me do it. Right. My way. And I was, and it was, it was funny. The only, I really felt like I kept up watching you guys. Cause I was like, uh, I was like, I was like, man, I, it looked so fun. It just, but let me tell you, Bert, this, the, the performance was one thing, Bert. Yeah. 
But you know, we created a bubble. We had um, one of the leading. Um, he must have paid through the nose. You guys are getting tested every fucking other day. Yo, I, I, I would say easily over 300 grand. Easily. Easily. You know, and um, it was like the people saw the that, that, that part was dope, the performance. But the best part, bro, was being in the bubble, being around friends. He got a little speakeasy, his own little, little joint we go to, having fun. Yo, I became the river ninja out there, bitch, son. I was sponsoring. Yo, I was doing all this shit. You, I know, like, you know what coarse rivers there are and all that type of shit, right? Yeah. I was fucking taking people on the river. We was having barbecues. The, the community of Yellow Springs was so supportive of everything. Not everybody. Not going to please everybody. But it just was a so much camaraderie. Like, a couple of my friends, we're between New York and L.A., and people have been back since Yellow Springs, and everybody's like, got to get on the phone. It's like, yeah, man, I think I'm ready to go back to Yellow Springs. You know, and then nothing wrong with it. Because the whole world's in chaos. The whole world's locked down. And then you guys created a bubble where you were performing, partying. Everyone was eating great. Like, uh, I want to talk to you about your cooking out there because your cooking was, like, next level. Like, Oh, thanks, man. I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about those river trips because Burr said you had it. You first said you were like the master of ceremonies out there forever. <laughs> and I want to talk about I want to talk about the talent that showed up that performed that wasn't famous. Like some of the talent you guys had come out there. Like I'm obsessed with Toby Ngugwe. I think I'm saying his right name right. Yeah, but those was like yeah, yeah. To- I can't. I'm no. I don't even take. I say the, the Nigerian motherfucker. Keep it real. Yeah, but 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 it was the thing about it is one thing about Dave. He's a magnet for the best people wanting to share the stage with him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm be quite honest, I didn't know anything about Toby. And and the thing that I thought the dude was about to tell some jokes because his personality on stage is so funny or whatever. But only thing I knew was it was a dude that just had a baby and another baby. And he had that goddamn baby everywhere he went, Bert. <laughs> everywhere he went, he had that goddamn baby. Golf cart, goddamn baby. And he went up there and then he just mesmerized the audience. And this is how I know he's a top performer because I know that there was a lot of people in the audience wasn't familiar with him. Yeah. You know, and some people could be like, oh, you don't know my song? Fuck y'all. But he just started spitting, son, and just made everybody come with it. Like Talib Kweli was there. Fucking Erica Badu. Fucking Common was there. Quest Love was there. I mean, the first time, Quest Love, first, first time he played drums after, like, d- during the pandemic, was the Yellow Springs. And the crazy thing was when it was time for him to go on, he sat down in his drum set and whatever, and he didn't have his sticks. And I'm like, somebody is fucking fired. Right? <laughs> I was like, there's no way. I'm just trying to see. I'm trying to point to who's going home. Right? Because that's the one person, bro, you'd be like, you had one job. Right? <laughs> and and this is what, this is what I'm talking about defining moment. He could have been like, do you know who I am? I'm Quest Love. Whatever. You know what he did? He did like this. And then he started playing the drums. He boom. He started playing with his hands, son. Really? And like, you couldn't hear it like that, but it was like, he was in his zone. I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. I said, he just bought some time for somebody. Somebody's getting their job back. Yeah. Boom, boom. And then they found this stick. I was like, thank God. And then when that motherfucking snare came in on that mic, bow, it was on, bro. What a fucking, how cool is it? And not to like, Look, I think when you're white, you get a lot of advantages in life. But one of the things you can't get is like to there, there is a immediate camaraderie with with that with that group where you talk about artists who all happen to be of the same color of the same culture and right. all 
respect each other that it and it almost is like and it goes back to the you know when Chappelle did the block party it goes back to like like almost like a club that you you can't join you got to be born into in a weird way you got to be you can't like the way it's almost like um getting into comedy cellar there's always a new energy on the outside, but you know, comedy cellar two references, so uh, for Essie don't have to do all that type of shit. And those mostly character references, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you know, you get like you get in it by like some guys is close to me that's like really cool with Dave now. It's just positive energy. Just it no, just attracts itself. Like Talib Kweli, Erica Badu, Common, Questlove, you, Chappelle, Toby. Like as much as you'd want to say that, like. Bill Burr's out there hanging out. There's still a frequency that as, as black artists, you guys all vibrate on and connect on in that, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like Dave has known Talib Kweli for like 20 years. Like you've oh, known yeah, for yeah. 20 years. Like you guys have known Erica Badu. Like there's a way, there's a, I often like get jealous that like when you talk to Snoop and he talks about hip hop, there's like, there's like such a, a, very coarse fiber of like ingrained in just who they are. Like Snoop's family is, is like Brandy, uh, uh, the fucking guy with the big dick. What's the guy? <laughs> oh, his son? Ray J. Oh. Ray J. Ray, oh, you said guy with the dick. Only white people can remember a time and buy somebody's dick. Like, fuck, that was 1997. Cause remember the guy with the big dick. <laughs> but it's like, it's really interesting to me that like, that like Chelsea Handler, who I think is awesome, may go out, but for whatever reason, I, I assume, and I could be wrong, she's never going to vibe with Common and Eric Badu and, and Talib Kweli and, and you and Dave and Questlove and, and Toby and all these guys the same way that maybe Tiffany Haddish would, you know, where Tiffany... Oh, I beg to differ with you on that one, son, because really? fucking boy, me and Chelsea party like a motherfucker. I was like, go black <laughs> bitch. Yo, yo, fuck that. She fucked 50, son. She used to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. He was all gone. Yeah. Yeah, I got to remind 50 he was black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Motherfucker, uh, uh, fucking, uh, fucking Chelsea is one of the blackest women I fucking know, son. She, when, dude, she, but, but she, you know what? She got a good vibe. When she yeah. came out, man, we had so much. She had to go campaign because she was campaigning hard for Biden. Or not, I don't know if it's Biden more so like anti-Trump. But yo, and I used to do her show, but never got a chance to hang out with her. And I'm telling you, man, I want to hang out with her a lot. You know I what think, I mean? I think she, I, first of all, I think she's sexy as fuck. Who like, you tell them? They get mad at me, son. <laughs> she said, yo, I got this river belt, right? She, oh, man, the things that we talked about, what I'm supposed to do with this river belt? Yo, I'll tell you. Yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea, boy. And in the, the streets, as we say, the streets said she could get it. I would do everything to blow that bitch back out, son. Blow the back out, son. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I had a crush on Chelsea. Not like, but you know, not, I say crush, but like, same with like, dude, I'll tell you who, who as a street say could get it, is I think Janine Garofalo is sexy too. Sarah Silverman, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, but you, I, I don't think you could get the right mental connection with Janine. You gotta, I could, you know. I, I could. If I if she was still drinking, I could. Oh, that's, yo, you can't do that. You want to delete that, son? Yo, we all did that. No, <laughs> I know, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Stop the tape, oh, son. Stop, 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 stop. 
Don't do it, son. You got too much intellectual property. You got too many intellectual properties, son. Man, if we can go out drinking and have a good time. And I know what you're talking about. But that's old-fashioned, Bert. That's old-fashioned, Bert. You can't even do that. Oh, yeah. yeah, but you, but it would be, I think... about funny women that it, it makes them sexier than regular women. But Chelsea, Chelsea, like... I know this sounds crazy. She might appreciate this. She seems so pornographic. She's like, when I Google, like certain Google searches, you can't do anymore. You know what I mean? It just, you know, like when I do like, like, like she's up in that MILF, you know, like MILF, you're like professor, all that type of shit. And then she take that goddamn romper off and it's like, okay, okay, Miss Handler. (laughs) Dude, she, she's still like, she's perimenopausal. I'm sure she's got to be soon to hit menopause and she her body still looks super fucking young i mean I, all the she posts a lot of pictures of herself naked on instagram uh, you, you have a problem with that why you act like not you at all not I at know, all you said that like who does that i'm like you <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> it was a lot too naked yeah she, she pull them titties out in a minute you will she, it, it, she has no problem with that but i but i remember the first time i started to stand up at the improv she was she was so direct i remember like her just coming up and like literally two women have done this to stand up to me where they came up to me and they just they owned the moment by like touching me or getting close to me. And it right. was Chelsea and Whitney Cummings. Both of really? them just where I was like, I I, I literally just kind of like I'd stopped speaking and I was it was almost like like they just took my energy. Like they just walked up. Chelsea That's got, how it was. Yeah. For me, that I feel the same way for me because when she used to do her show, her talk show on E or whatever, you know, you don't really get, it's always, you know how the production is. It's like, we got to practice this. Night. So never had a real conversation. Just always can tell she had respect for me, but I don't know. Something about Yellow Springs, like her liking me, looking me like directly in my face and having like casual, con- that's one of the things that was so dope about being out there. Just the regular conversations when uh, David Letterman was there one night, right? And I do this joke about being an older dad. And I didn't know Letterman was in because we were out there when he did a thing, that um, his show with him. And I didn't know that Letterman was in the green room. And I come on stage, first person I run into is Letterman. And I'm like, oh, shit. And then he said, um, how do you? Then I told him, because he really connected with that joke I did about being an older dad, right? Yeah. And me and fucking David Letterman backstage talking for like 15 minutes on being a dad. It wasn't about structure of a joke or yeah. anything. And it was just like, what's the important thing in life? And we both agreed that that's the most important thing. And he, it happened for him a lot later than it did for me, but the pride and the joy he had in his face about being a father, man, it was just fucking overwhelming, man. That was another great moment. Yeah, you guys had, you guys had, I mean, tell me about the river. Cause you, it seemed like you were really, like you guys called it the Chappelle summer camp. But it really looked like a summer camp. Did you guys go to the river every day? Well, uh, we probably did like twice a week. Um, I went for the first time. Um, I wasn't with these river trips. Dave's wife used to plan all these activities and shit like family walk. I'm like, fuck that shit. Then one day she said, we're going to go kayaking. And I went and I was going down the kayak. I was in my kayak and his wife, dude named Patrick, Patrick Lake. He was in the other kayak and we're smoking a joint and we could just hear the peacefulness of nature. And um, he was like, this is what it's all about, bro. And he, I said, well, he said, man, this reminds me of being with my dad, building ramps and um, and um, fishing for crawdads. I was like, I didn't do none of that shit with my dad, but this is going to remind me of what I want to do with my son. 
Yeah. And it was in that moment where I really, really, really got connected to nature, the piece of it. Because we first went, went down there. We went down there hood. We had fucking blue, Bluetooth speakers and all that type shit. But you can't really... Yo, we was going down there listening to pop smoke and everything. But then it was just like this connection. And then I start planning more of the river rides. It went from like 15 people to 20 people. I think the most I ever took down was like 45 people. And as the summer went on, like everybody was like, that was one of the tra- one of the things that they was like, yo, I want to go to the river. So I became river ninja and I was river everything. I bought fucking different shoes. I got quick dry pants. Kayak shoes, bruh. Almost bought a goddamn canoe, nigga. Almost bought a motherfucking canoe, say. Uh-huh. But it was just, and that was another thing that was so dope about the summer is that we got to enjoy life. It was like adults reminiscing with their childhood, taking it back. This podcast is brought to you by Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pro. This podcast is brought to you by Miller High Life. Miller High Life brings pride to the simple things in life. Miller High Life is an unpretentious quality beer with refreshing champagne-like tiny bubbles in an iconic glass bottle accessible to everyone. Celebrate the wins you have every day with Miller High Life. Look, if they're big or small, there are moments in every day worth celebrating. Today, I'm celebrating doing Two Bears, One Cave and having a great show. And I will do so tonight by grilling out and opening a Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a high-quality beer that I know is within everyone's reach. Their founders believe that everyone should enjoy the good life, which is why they created the champagne of beers. They are famously been known that way for over 100 years, and I love that this company started on New Year's Eve 1903. I know what I'll be drinking this New Year's Eve. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers, a quality beer within everyone's reach. Please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid IV, and I love Liquid IVs. Look, I'm a big fan of IVs, so anything that's got IV in the name, I'm there for it. In this cool weather, you don't even know if you're getting dehydrated sometimes, and which means you need to be more on top of your hydration. One stick of Liquid IV with 16 ounces of water gets you three to two times the amount of hydration is just plain water. And with flu season lining up for holidays, you need to stay hydrated. But Liquid IV can help support your immune system and by increasing your hydration with and adding essential vitamins. It's perfect for staying hydrated. I am traveling nonstop. I am always hungover. And I'm telling you, Liquid IV is the best cure for that I have ever found. And they have three new flavors, guava, watermelon, and apple pie. I tried one the other day before my workout, tossed it in 16 ounces of water, threw some ice in it, shook it up hard, and guzzled it. The three new flavors, sweet and juicy gava, crisp watermelon, comforting apple pie, contain this five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than the average orange, and more potassium than the average banana. Healthier than the sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple made clean with great, clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, free of gluten and dairy and soy, the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivers water and nutrients directly into the bloodstream. It's a perfect balance, if you're going to ask me, to get you hydrated quickly and effectively, better so than water. Just one stick gives you literally two to three times the amount than you get in plain water. The company has donated over 6.7 million 
servings globally in response to the COVID-19. The products are now being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and the active U.S. military. Over 3 million servings in total so far. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Walmart in the beverage section. That's where we picked up ours on the road. I noticed it and I went, wait, they're a sponsor of the podcast. So we got ours at Walmart in the beverage section. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code BERT at checkout. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code BERT at checkout at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Use the promo code BERT. That's so great. What what's uh you don't have to answer this, but what's Chappelle's wife like? I've never, I've never even I don't I, I think she's I, amazing. I saw her on Instagram a couple times, but she's I amazing. I'm you telling you for a while though, right? Yeah, I've known her for a while. She's amazing. Not only do I think she's amazing, I really believe that she contributes so much to his success. Really? Uh, as a supporter, as a mom, you know how it is. You know, if your home ain't right, and if your, your wife not doing the right thing with the kids, whatever, and you got to stress about that, like, you know, like, you know, any relationship, they go ups and downs. I don't know. I don't know stories of them, you know, not connecting, but you can tell when someone says someone's backbone that you can feel that they might not always be happy with a motherfucker, but they fucking love and respect them and they believe in them. And as long as I've known them in that relationship, she's always been that person. And just like the ultimate host, she's dope. That's crazy, man. How how often did your son get up, up there? Well, I was somehow he was out there for a total of three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing, man. He started to sing Leon Bridges, Take Me to the River. He got to run on acres of land and shit with his buddies and shit. Like went through the woods with his shirt off, swimming. He had an amazing time. Anytime I mention Ohio, he said, Daddy, if you go back to Yellow Springs, I gotta go. <laughs> great. Oh. Oh, yeah, hey man, that's so cool. That I remember. Uh, I remember when I remember telling Snoop about it in the green room, and he was like, "They're where?" And I was like, "Oh, just Facetime Donnell." And I Facetime. That was that was the funniest interaction because I Facetimed you. Snoop grabbed it, and you saw Snoop. Then you passed it to Dave, but Snoop passed it back to me. And then Dave, I've met, <laughs> I met Dave once. He's looking at me, and he's like, I, "I don't know who the fuck you meant for me to talk to." You, I was like, "Oh." This is who you want to see. Pass it to Snoop. And then those two, little, and me and you were in the background going like, like oh, yeah, yo, that shit was dope. That shit was dope, man. Um, yeah. Snoop is, he's always been a fucking stand-up dude, man. He's just a, just a fucking, he's Snoop. That's the only way you only can describe him as Snoop. Stand-up yeah. guy. And um, Dave was super excited. I know that um, you guys were talking about coming out, but it ended kind of short. It, it was, yo, we ended like, we didn't, in when we wanted to end, yeah. but um, it was great, man. That was so cool that you called. You called. She was like, "What's up?" I'm like, "Oh shit!" And I know that nigga. Whenever he see me, he always like, "What's up, you ashy motherfucker?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know you're Leanne's favorite uh, favorite cast member on the cabin. Hey, Bert. I don't really know if I'm gonna believe anything you say because I know that you're full of a lot of lies, son. And the reason why I say that, because you had that John McHale, whatever that white dude from, um, white dude. yeah, and then and you told, because it was a nice gesture for your wife to give us gifts, and you <laughs> said, uh, Donnell said, meet me at a Chevron gas station. You didn't think I heard that shit, motherfucker? Well, I can't say Jeff Will's name. You said no. meet me at Jeff Will's oh, house. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. 
Yeah, because I had already had a um a, a swim date set up for my son, and then um it was a couple of like the kid friends that were going to be over there. You said Chevron gas, and I want to say I couldn't. Was- I, I didn't want to blow up Jeff Will's spot, and you were like, yeah. "I'll be at Jeff Will's house at one twenty-five." Dan's like, "Who the fuck is Jeff Will's?" I go, "Yeah, no." Got but he you. like he likes to feel big time every once in a while. But you said Chevron, so but you could have said Popeye's chicken, then that would have fucked. Oh you yeah, up. right. I'm gonna say Popeye's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that was a nice gesture, man. That was really nice. Yeah, she loved you, man. She she said her favorite episode is you and Bobby. <laughs> she goes, I love that Donnell. She goes, he would never want to do something, but then he'd do it. And she goes, that right. energy made me laugh so fucking hard. Because I've been in part of situations where it's like, you know, you can play that different ways. Like this, some of the shit y'all do is over the top, but it's like this for some people. But I'm like this, y'all, they having fun. I said, I don't want to just be the goddamn party pooper. I, when I was doing stuff for MTV, it was like, that. I say, you know, you know, uh, as they say, to each his own. I was like, how can I, you know, contribute to the fun of it? But even when we talked about it, when it was over and I told you, I said the best part for me was when we, when you was making dinner and we had time to reflect and talk yeah. about fatherhood and like three grown ass motherfuckers talking about their childhood and stuff. For me, that, that made the episode gold for me. My favorite, my favorite part wasn't even shown. It was when we had the seance. I know. I was wondering what happened there, son. I was like this. Are you going to do delete it? When that thing, uh, I was wondering about that. She goes, Are you nice. do any? Yeah, yeah, we got, we've got that. We're gonna post that. We're gonna post a bunch of stuff because there's so much shit that we shot that we didn't use. I know, and that were was so fucking hilarious. That's the and beauty of the internet now, son. Assets are motherfuckers, son. <laughs> assets. Kevin Smith taught me about assets. Yeah, what was the movie you did with Kevin Smith? Um, well, it was um Jay and Silent Bob. Um, yeah, I did. A, I played a detective in that, but our connection became came together when we were doing this um, this uh, series called Hollyweed. We was pitching it, and it got picked up by like uh, one of those startup one of those startup like streaming companies or whatever. Then they had some internal issues, and it didn't um, really. It just got s- stuck. But when we first dropped that, Snoop and I didn't even ask him to do it or anything. Was one of the first people that retweeted and said, "You know, if you do a movie called Holly, a show called Hollywood." And Snoop say this shit is funny, boy. That's out the gate with a bang, you know. Damn, yeah, fuck yeah. So wait, so what do you what do you want to do? Like, I feel like you're in a weird position, and that you're one of the few comics that have been working all through pandemic. I feel like you have steam behind you. Your podcast is blowing up. Like you, your social media is all over the place. Like it's doing fantastic. What what do you want to do? Like right now, do you think? Uh, yeah, Bert, 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 Bert. This is the funniest thing you said that. I don't want to do anything. I'm doing it. And like, when we get off this podcast, we're going to talk at some point, right? I got some, I, I got an idea specific to, you could, I'll just say, it's not one to do. It's in full effect now, but it's like, when this pandemic went down, Barry, I was like, you're not going to make any money as a stand-up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I said, so everything you're doing now is the, is the fucking, you're planting the seeds for 2021 and you're planting the seeds for 2022. The things that I'm doing and I got on deck, it's gonna it's gonna come off next year. Yeah. You know? The only thing I want to do now is like just continue to work out. You know, one thing about this, I had to make that pivot from just making money from stand-up. You know what I mean? I wasn't producing stuff. I came up with the podcast last year. That's probably gonna turn the corner soon. And not that I had to reinvent myself, I had to just extend myself to some other things that when I had a 
when you, you know, as a comic, if you got a fucking, the best feeling you wear, feeling is saying, I'm booked up for the whole year. Oh, yeah. You know what Such I'm saying? A, when you Remember when you were when young, you, you were like, I can't imagine what that would feel like. Yeah, you like, the whole year, nigga? I remember you could call me and say, uh, as soon as you answer the phone, I'm like, I'm available. You know? Yeah. It wasn't no talk to nobody. So that gives you a sense of confidence until something like COVID says, wait a minute, you got to think about other shit. And that's one of the things that it's done for me is put other things in perspective and other things um, that I need to do, other relationships that I need to build. Like I do, I mean, I do have, you know, you. what I want to do, I want to be a black you, motherfucker. I want to be a motherfucker that can just keep it, get his friends together, have a good time, and make some fucking money, son. Yeah, that's a fucking... That's it. Who's the co-host of the podcast? What was that? Your your co-host of the podcast that you were doing in Yellow Springs. Uh, Javanta Roberts. Fucking awesome. I love her. Yeah, I've been knowing her for years, man. We've been knowing each other for years, and we kind of came out to L.A. about the same time, and she's like a singer, uh, singer, dancer, song, like... She just dope, man, and she's continues. You know, she hasn't really hit it, hit it, but her grind is fucking dope. She's got well, great you energy. Energy on the podcast is great together. Yeah, well, if we're not fighting, but even when we're fighting, it's entertaining. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, when we're fighting, it's more. I say it's as entertaining. Yeah, because you get you get you get authenticity. You know what I'm saying? Like motherfuckers mm-hmm. want to be like motherfuckers. Like, oh, now the podcast feels like. You guys are in a relationship. I was like, okay, then that means we evoked an emotion, motherfucker. Are you going to ride or you go somewhere else? Yeah. You know, that's what it is. And I said the podcast, the Donnell Rollins show, I've always said it's not a podcast. It's a reality show about a podcast. I like you know? it. I, like it. I know you like it, nigga. That's like your model is like <laughs> every show you do could be a podcast or a show. <laughs> because it's always I was like this motherfucker found out another way to do a podcast right <laughs> yo that mo- I was talking to my agents the other day so they said they asked me the same question what do you want to do I said I want to be Bert Kreischer I want to have five different podcasts out of a podcast out of a podcast son I want to make a video to a fucking podcast <laughs> yeah I was like that motherfucker who gets uh-huh. paid more to talk than fucking Bert <laughs> you think do you think you'll stay in LA? Oh no, I yo, I like the summer has shown a lot of people that we can create Hollywood wherever we wherever we descend on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It used to be like, oh yeah, and what were we what were we so anxious to be around here for to do spots at the comedy club? I respect that and everything. But you know, this shit, man, I would tell I wouldn't have no problem living on a goddamn ranch. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's so you funny. Know? Kyle did it so long ago, and everyone was like, well, he can do it. But then it's, just, it's it's the motto has always been, Chappelle's been doing his own thing forever. And everyone's like, well, that's Chappelle. He can do whatever he wants. And then you start going, oh, we can do whatever we want also. Like, Rogan's yeah. in Austin now. Everyone's moving to Austin. And and then you start going, like, we can, we can, it, 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 you don't have to be in Hollywood. I mean, I, I have to because I have two kids in fucking high school. But, right. But see, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that is with me, with my young son. You know what I'm saying? Well, how old is he? Is he six? Five. Five. You, you can do anything with him. Anywhere. Yeah. Live anywhere. Give him like, 
I said that to Segura. Segura was talking about moving to Austin. I go, I got to be honest with you, man. It's for you and your family. It's the best movie you could ever make because you're going to get give your children a life that this dream worthy is living on a lake, having a boat, fucking yep. surfing. Yep. And I've got to swell. I'm going back to the driving shows. I got to do them. Um, I used for eight years. I've done the uh, DC um, improv Thanksgiving. That's been my trend tra- tradition. And yeah. I thought it was going to be over because of COVID this year, but they started to do the driving thing. So I'm going to do my traditional show, the uh, 28th, November 28th, two shows. And it's going to be an RFK stadium in the people like stadium. I'm like, yeah, parking oh, lot, right? Yeah. Parking no, lot. Awesome. That's going to yeah. be a fucking blast. You're doing it at RFK. RFK, don't get them twisted. So an RFK parking lot, son. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Me and Tom did. I told Tom we were doing the Rose Bowl. We did the Rose Bowl like last week. And I go, we're doing the Rose Bowl. And we get there and he goes, we're outside the Rose Bowl. I went, same, same. He goes, no, I was like that too. I'm like, they <laughs> I go, I told people in Philly, I go, we're doing a vet. And they go, they tore the vet down. I go, well, it's the parking lot the vet was in. <laughs> Yo, well, we on the same page. That's why I told you I'm gonna be the black bird, so I fuck that bitch. We doing the fucking record. Brand that shit. Yeah, but it's been dope, man. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. I'm about and then I'm gonna um I'll be at the uh I don't know when you drop, but I'll be at the huge you when you drop this. Uh this this week, um Tuesday. Coming Tuesday. Oh, next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah so that's it. My website shit, but that's it because you know these dates. They keep getting canceled, but as long as I can get some gigs in and shit, man, and stay creative, I'll be all right. They're saying that they're saying that uh, that they're going to do a big lockdown. Like if Biden, when when Biden and Kamala Harris going to do another lockdown, like we had in March, and we're not going outside for like two months. I'll be right in Yellow Spring, bro. <laughs> Fucking by the way. <laughs> no, I mean I already. I, when, you know, I, I expected that. I told people the summer is create the illusion. Everything is all sweet. I said, as soon as cold and flu season come back on, we're going to get jumped. We're going to get stopped down. And I yeah. said, but this is a good time right now to get in touch with your family, get all that type of shit. And what's wrong my with, you know what? It's a, out. My tour bus huh? leaves, my tour bus leaves Sunday morning to go pick my parents up and bring them back out to LA. And we're going to yeah. keep my parents out in LA and fucking, and then they're going to stay out here for the whole lockdown. And then when they open back up, we're going to fly them back out to LA. Someone's hanging outside the man cave wants to say hi. Hold on. Again. I'm telling you, you were her favorite, Donnell. <laughs> you were my favorite. <laughs> Thank you. I can tell by that smile. That's a genuine, honest smile. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's the truth. And I kept my clothes. Hey, look, Bert, you'll feel comfortable. I was her favorite and I kept my clothes on. So that's a good <laughs> sign right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for recognizing. Thank you for yeah. recognizing the real one. What'd you say? I said, yeah, uh, you don't have to be naked to be funny. I've been trying to tell Bobby that. I've been trying to tell Bobby that. <laughs> and then, you know what? I don't want to be funny. I don't want to be naked and funny. That's like, fuck that. If I get naked, I want, whoa, man, just turn it to drama. <laughs> <laughs> she, nah, kept just saying, not- she kept saying, anytime he says he's not doing it, not doing it, he does it. She kept saying that. Well, the first time she watched it, she goes, he says not gonna do it, not gonna do it, and he does it, and it get, and it was killing her. Man. I loved it. No, I'm not. No, doing but it. I can't just. I can't do it just on the. I can't do it just on the first try. You gotta ask me three or four times. That's the hood rules, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that. You're like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. Okay, give me the directions. 
Okay. Fire in the hole. Fire in the hole. You were so funny and so Thank genuine. You. And I loved watching you. It was really great. Thank you. And another thing I realized over the years, like, you know, and uh, Bert's such a good producer. Like, some of it could have been kind of weird for me, but I knew he had a vision and it was certain comedy he just had to get off. So I didn't want to be the fucking hater of it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, we'll find a way for everybody to be happy. You know? Hey, well, hey, thank you. Enjoy your show in D.C. at RFK. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, RFK, baby, November the 28th. Look at my new girlfriend. Look at my new baby. Shut up. Yeah, that's that's, that's, um, Maggie. Maggie's six months old. Oh, Maggie's adorable. Maggie will be performing at RFK Stadium, right? (laughs) I'd buy tickets to Maggie. Yeah. Hey, Bert, I'm serious. I I got something I'm going to throw past you, son. All right? All right. I know you always, I know you got enough on your plate, whatever, but it's so funny you said, what do you want to do? And I'm like, nothing is going to get done. (laughs) All right? That's it. I appreciate you doing this, Donnell, man. All right, you guys have a great day. I love you, man. Love you too, brother. Take care. All right, bye, man. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.